0: 15 Ways to Monetize a Website. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Dave Chesson. He's the founder of the mega popular book marketing site, Kindlepreneur.com. He's also the creator of the publisher Rocket keyword research software for authors. We last heard from Dave more than 200 episodes ago. He was on episode 145 back in late 2015, schooling us on all things Amazon SEO. And what we want to dive into today with Dave is the topic of website monetization. Because all too often, you hear from people where it's like, step one, start a website. Step two, question mark, question mark, question mark. Step three, profit. So we hope to fill in the gaps today on how websites make money beyond just the obvious choices of advertising and affiliate links, although those are certainly going to be on our list as well. So monetization method number one we have, Dave, is sell digital tools and apps. This is what Kindlepreneur is known for, specifically the publisher Rocket Software is known for. You want to kick us off with this one?
1: Yeah, actually, I got the idea from my website itself. One of the things that's really powerful about having a website is you can see what pages, what content, and what products people are buying. And so when I had Kindlepreneur, I noticed that people were buying these other softwares that weren't really good. I was like, hmm, I wonder if I could create that app that's going to be a really good starting point. So I would say to anybody out there that has a website, look at what is the most engaging piece of content or look at what affiliate you're really sending people to, to purchase. And this can be a great starter for coming up with either a digital tool or an app or something like that.
0: Yeah, I consider this a more... Maybe a more advanced strategy for for a lot of people starting out is like, I'm going to be the affiliate first, refer people to these other software tools that might already exist, but then look at the shortcomings and say, hey, maybe I can make my own thing, maybe I can make it better.
1: Absolutely. I agree. I think this is one of those where when you've got the data, when you've got the traffic, just take time, look at what's happening, and you might be able to create a great digital tool or app. It's not one of those things where you just have to sit back and get struck by lightning and a great idea comes but you can see what's really working on your website and come up with that next tool.
0: And we should point out, I don't know, are you public with this, that Rocket is selling insane amounts of licenses to the software?
1: Yeah, we're over a million dollars a year in sales. And again, that was, I never thought that would be the case. Funny thing is, is that if somebody goes back to the last time we recorded, you can actually see in the comments at Side Hustle Nation where somebody was asking me about one of those apps. And I was like, you know what, hmm, that might be a good idea. <laughs> so I actually responded and later on I said, hey, I created one. So again, you can find even in your comment sections where people might give you a great idea of what truly will solve their problem. So don't just look at your content. You can also look at your comments as well as what your fans are saying and how they're replying to email as well.
0: That's really interesting. It's like for years and years, like the most popular pages on my site are related to side hustle ideas. And it's a constant pain point. Like I'm still looking for a side hustle idea. And it's something that we always try and address on the show. It's something that I tried to address in the form of my own product over the over the summer. And so that's a little bit of gold right there. Look at your most popular pieces of content, look for shortcomings in that. Where can, where can you serve people better over there?
1: Before we move on to the next one too, I just want to say that using your content might be a great strategy for a lot of the things we're about to talk and talk about in this episode, whether it's the next one, which is eBooks or course, those sorts of things, you can always find out what you should create by looking at how your readers are responding, or the comments, or just what is the most engaging content you have.
0: Yeah, let's talk about this eBook thing. So this is a uh, monetization method number two. Are eBooks still a thing?
1: Yeah, they really are. I know there's a lot of grumbling out there that maybe ebooks are sales are dipping, but they're still increasing over time. The big thing is audiobooks. Those are really just taking over the whole book market. But we do not have to create audiobooks in order to be successful here. Because here's the thing. This is actually one of the first methods I did to really make some money. Back in the day, I was making these niche websites, and I was bringing in a lot of great traffic, but I was relying on one of the methods that we'll talk about later, which is just AdSense. AdSense. That wasn't making me that much money. And so I asked myself, well, what if I just took all the content I had, condensed it into a book, and then sell it on my website as well as on Amazon? And that's really where I started to go from maybe making $50 a month on my website to over $1,000 a month, which was, again, that's a huge difference. So again, like we talked about in the last one, Look at what's happening on your website and you can condense them. And then you not only turn your website into a marketplace, you can then take that same product, your book, and put it on Amazon and have Amazon market it to their shoppers.
0: Interesting. Did you, now typically you would see, okay, if I'm going to sell the book directly through my site, it's going to come with like a higher price tag versus Amazon is really trying to funnel everybody between that $299 and $999 price point. Was it the same same cost, same format, same everything between the two platforms?
1: Yeah, actually, I just made it really easy. I did an Amazon associate link to my own book on Amazon and sold it that way. Oh, okay. (laughs) You don't have to create these pay structures or any type of product delivery systems. You can just literally put your book on Amazon and then have an Amazon associate link that points to your book on Amazon. So that way, you're selling your book on Amazon. And by the way, a lot of shoppers, especially on niche websites, are going to be more comfortable purchasing on a system they already have an account on, like Amazon, than on just some random website. So, think about that. And I, I'd almost recommend just putting it on Amazon
0: and linking to your product. Absolutely. Now, if you have a super niche topic that teaches a specialized skill with maybe a higher, greater return, it might make sense to package that information as a video course, even a text based course, calling it a text based course rather than calling it an ebook. Because I think the days of trying to sell a $29, $49, $99 ebook are kind of past us, thanks in part to Kindle and Amazon and all that stuff. But I still see people charging premium prices for their knowledge and expertise through the form of digital courses, which is the number three item on our monetization list here.
1: Yeah, digital courses are great. One of the, the benefits to it is that it allows you to do a lot more. In an ebook, you're kind of limited in what you can put in there, right? You're writing text. But in digital course, it could be something where you're actually showing people how to do something. By doing that, you're actually going to increase the value of this product and therefore you can sell it for more than you probably could an ebook. One of the downsides though to digital courses and just to give people an understanding is that if you create a digital course, it's a lot harder to update. So I had some friends who back in the day were creating Facebook ads courses, and every time Facebook would change something, they would have to go back and edit their videos. So keep that in mind, especially as you're designing your course, make it as easy as possible for you to update the things you think might change in the future. But otherwise, creating a digital course is a lot easier than people think. You can use systems like Thinkific or Teachable to host your courses on, and they'll take care of the payment process. You just need to create it, upload it, and then link to it.
0: Yeah, so much easier than than it used to be thanks to these content management systems.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine doing it without them. And again, they also will take care of all of the payment processors, the refund, like all of that aspect. So
0: Yeah, we've heard some just incredible case studies on the show of what people have done with online course, like with this monetization strategy. I mean the one that still blows my mind is Nate Dodson teaching people how to start a microgreens farming business. Again, the niches are endless here, right? And here was something I never even heard of and when we recorded a little over a year ago, he was doing like 40-50 grand a month worth of course sales here and it was primarily driven by a YouTube video to a landing page to a, you know an opt-in offer and then this drip sequence sold this course for him and did it on autopilot in a lot of ways so very very powerful way to do it where you can command higher prices. Like here's my free material, here's the information I'm keeping behind an opt-in wall, and here's the full, <laughs> full meal deal if you plunk down the cash.
1: Yeah, it's this is definitely one of those that's probably the most popular and probably the highest ROI and rate of success. I think from all of these, anybody can really sit down and create a course. More importantly, is that if you already have a website, that means you already have the knowledge, the experience, and the background to be able to put something together. To go even further, Joe Nicoletti created a course on how to learn to use a software called Scrivener, uh, and he calls it Learn Scrivener Fast. The software itself costs somewhere about $40. The course ranges from uh, $197 to $400. Oh, jeez. Okay. And yet, I assure you, his course is so good that people absolutely enjoy it I don't know his numbers, but I would be very surprised if it was in at least in the six figures.
0: That's just fascinating that the software creators didn't go and create this themselves or their tutorial videos like weren't up to par. And he's like, look, I need, I need to fill this hole in this market.
1: Absolutely. And he did. And he did a great job. So again, don't think that people aren't willing to pay extra to be able to have a completely formatted, laid out if I just sit here and watch this, I'll understand everything I need to get the benefit out of blah, blah, blah. That's exactly what Joe did and he's benefited greatly from that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's kind of a cool piggyback example of like, here, take a piece of software or take some topic or niche that is kind of accelerating in popularity and piggyback on that. Like, well, how can you serve members of that community? And that's a really powerful example. I remember going through the Teachable Challenge last summer and their big thing, okay, is like, what is the transformation that your course promises, like, you know, the before and after pictures, like you think of like weight loss, like what is somebody going to be able to do that they weren't able to do before going through your course and using that to kind of reverse engineer a structure, you know, how you lay out the content and everything, but tons of material on building courses and stuff in the side hustle show archives. Did you know that roughly half of side hustle nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough which is offer your own services, your own freelancing services, coaching services, consulting services. And this is one of the, well, I don't know if it would fall under this bucket or not, but this is one of the first things that I tried to do was be a side hustle coach. I don't know, Did you ever have a button where people could buy your time essentially on, on Kindlepreneur? You
1: know, I never did. I, I'm not going to lie. When it comes to coaching, it's my least favorite thing to do. So I've never made that a point, but one of the things I've seen a lot of people really get that first kickstart is when they just offer a simple, go to this link, click here, sign up for a time, and we'll do a one-on-one and I'll be able to help you to get through whatever it is you're facing. that's, it's so simple. I mean, honestly, if you're using something like clarity.fm or premium.chat, you can quickly set up your coaching, have an easy link for people to use and start making money from that within like less than 15 minutes.
0: Yeah, I totally like on the still on the virtual assistant side, I've got the Clarity little widget in the sidebar. People can book a time and they make it super easy to do. Absolutely. I think my favorite example of coaching as a service or as a website monetization strategy came from Shirag Shimassian. He is a clinical psychologist by day, but by night he runs shimassianconsulting.com, which helps people with their like grad school admissions, med school admissions. He calls himself a total admissions nerd and sells these packages for like $4,000, $5,000 and up helping people review their application essays and just like prepare for these interviews. And he did 650 grand. He's built this whole team of other advisors and stuff around this, but that's literally from writing long form blog posts instead of monetizing my site with ads or even a course. I think he attempted a course. The call to action is like, Hey, let's set up a consultation. Let's see if we can work together and help you through this pretty high stakes process. And it was just insane, the volume that he was doing with this monetization strategy.
1: Yeah. Especially if the stakes are high, that price will go up. And one thing I would say too, is that if you're looking at becoming a coach or a consultant through one of these, ask yourself, how much is one hour of your time? That might help you with the pricing. And you'd be surprised that when you sit down and you think about it that way, you might come up with a much stronger, price. Because some people will undervalue themselves. And then as they're doing the coaching, they'll be like, oh man, this was so much work and I didn't get that much money. So really think about what one hour of your time is worth and use that as
0: your indicator. Yeah. I had a hard time with this straight up hours for dollars relationship. Other people do much better at it with me. And and Shirong does as well, where it's like kind of he sells these packages where it's a little more opaque as to what what his time involvement is versus like, call me up for an hour and I'll bill you this exact rate. Another example that comes to mind on this service front is Kate All, who runs a Simple Pin Media, all about Pinterest marketing. So she creates all this awesome content, stays up to date on all the things you need to know about Pinterest. And then once you hit her website, it's like, oh, by the way, we are a Pinterest marketing agency as well. So you can hire us. If you don't want to do it yourself, we can do this for you. So I thought that was a cool way to get it done as well.
1: One more thing I'm going to add to this one, too, is that sometimes you don't have to do it for like Pay Me to Coach I like to sometimes use this as an incentive for people to use my affiliate link for something bigger. We're going to talk about affiliate links in a bit, but there are a couple of courses that are 500 maybe even $1,000 courses in the self-publishing world. And I'll tell people flat out that, hey, this is an affiliate link. But if you use my affiliate link to purchase this course, I'll make sure to give you a one-hour, one-on-one coaching session. That's been incredible because all of a sudden I saw people who were like maybe thinking about it. Then when they've decided, they, they absolutely come back to mine and they make sure to get that one hour. And for me, if that's an affiliate, usually about 50%, that $1,000 course turns into $500. So that's a really cool aspect. Plus I also know too that anybody who's using that deal has already been qualified as being really motivated and really invested into it. So it already ups the standard of my of my clientele.
0: Okay. Okay. I like it. All right, let's move on to number five, monetization strategy. Number five is branded merchandise. And the example that we have here is from Harry Campbell, the rideshare guy, where he's got a tips appreciated hoodie for sale on uh, therideshareguy.com, which appeals to his audience of Lyft and Uber drivers, rideshare drivers.
1: Yeah. I love that example, but you know, it, it doesn't even have to be something like that. For example. We used a place called Displate.com. And Displate is like a metal plate that you can put up on the wall. And so you design art and you put it up there. And about two or three years ago, I designed one where I just said, keep calm and write on. And I had the Kindlepreneur crown on top of it. Well, I made it just for myself so I could put up on the wall. But just two days ago or so, my daughter was going through our accounts and she's like, hey, did you know you sold a bunch of these Displates? And I was like, What? Sure enough, people had had found it and purchased it and liked it. So you can also create branded merchandise on things other than shirts. And that could be a really good opportunity. Another thing too is is that as you're building a popular product, you may start to have customers ask if you have t-shirts. For Publisher Rocket, I think just this week, I've had four people reach out specifically and ask if they could buy a t-shirt. So I'm already working with my team to implement this a bit more since there are customers who want to wear our product, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, everything is print on demand these days, or it seems like you could set it up that way through a merch by Amazon or through Printful, through Etsy, or through a bunch of these different platforms. Absolutely. Might as well. Might as well. I think Matt Boknock from How To Motorcycle Repair, I think he was selling a handful of How To Motorcycle Repair t-shirts as well. So you never know. Somebody might want to want rock your logo. Monetization strategy number six we have is the affiliate marketing strategy. And for me, for the last two, 10, 15 years. Gosh, I feel old when I say that. This has been my primary source of income, which is referring people to the, the products or services you believe will help them and earning a commission on that sale. I did this for a long time in the footwear space and now have done this in the online space with Side Hustle Nation and on the virtual assistant site. I mean, <laughs> this is a mile that we've done hundreds of examples and episodes on, maybe not hundreds, but lots of examples in the affiliate marketing space. What should people know if they're just getting started out in the affiliate world?
1: Well, I think there are four really important types of articles every blogger should consider when they're looking at increasing their affiliate income. The first one is just creating a list of resources. Imagine somebody coming to your website and they're thinking to themselves, oh man, you know, this guy or gal knows what they're doing. Uh, This sounds like really cool stuff. The next question most people ask is, well, what do they use? Now, On Kindlepreneur, I get asked all the time, what's your favorite book formatting software? Who's your favorite book cover designer? Who's your favorite editor, et cetera? And it goes on and on. Well, if you look at the top right of, of my website, you're going to see my favorite resources. And you click, and now it is just this list of every resources that I use. And I can quickly just send people to that page. But I'll tell you this, though, that all my pages, that one gets by far the most collective affiliate income, and it just sits right there at the top.
0: Okay, yeah, you have this in your in your top navigation. So, kindlepreneur.com, start here, blog, podcast about and then resources. So, this is the affiliate link depository here on the resources page.
1: Exactly. And I think Pat Flynn even said too that his resources page was one of his top money-making affiliate pages as well. And I I think I got that idea from him. So, make sure to think about that and think about what it is that you use. And some people may say, well, I write in a subject matter that there's not really a resources. I'm like, well, if you think about it, there's going to be stuff that go around what you do. There was one person who was a book blogger writing about her favorite books. And so one of the things when she said that, I said, well, easy. How about, is there a favorite reading chair? Do you enjoy coffee? Is there a certain coffee that you love? Is there a process? Is there a mind mapping? Is there music, lighting, like all these things, what do you use when you sit down to do this thing that you're blogging about? And so I think that really opens up a lot of opportunities. The second article that I think is really important is reviews, review products that are out there, book reviews, right? And I mean, any blogger out there can write a book review, because I'm sure there's a book on their subject matter. They can even write reviews about books they've just enjoyed. But you can go into services, you can go into physical products, you can even write reviews about anything on Amazon. And those Amazon associate links are affiliate links. So look at the things you're doing, and try to provide value in your honest opinion on those products or services. The third one is, is your comparison articles. I think these are the greatest because the truth is, is that if somebody's going to Google and typing in something like this versus this, it means that they've already decided that they're going to buy whatever this thing is. They just don't know which one. And so if you can be the person who says, yeah, I acknowledge that you're stuck between these two. Let me help you figure out the best one. You're probably going to get the final click, which means you get the affiliate commission. So look at two products and really try to compare them. I did this a while ago on Kindlepreneur. I haven't actually created a paid course on how to self-publish or book market. However, though, all the other authorities around me did. And so I decided I would sit down and take each and every one of those courses and do a side-by-side comparison and help anybody who comes to me that says, hey, what's the best self-publishing course? I can say, well, I've actually sat through them all. And I'm not, I don't own any of these, but here is a detailed explanation to help you choose the best one for you. And that has been a real killer.
0: Yeah, that's a really powerful one. You don't even need to pick favorites because oftentimes they're going to serve slightly different audiences. And if you can be the person to explain what those differences are, then like you said, you get that last click. This could be, I mean, in any niche, this could be active campaign versus convert kit. This could be Teachable versus Thinkific. This, I mean, you could go down quite a rabbit hole here.
1: Yeah, if you if you come across something where you're stuck between two, that probably means there's a lot of people out there that are stuck between those two, and that might be a really great affiliate earning blog idea right there.
0: Yeah, this is somebody who's getting getting close to their uh, buying decision. They just need a little help to decide. If you can help them decide, you can be the one. I mean, we just did a whole episode on this with the guys from Finn versus Finn reviewing direct to consumer brands, and they gave the example of Hims versus Roman versus Keeps, like in the hair loss space. And they started to get some traction there. They did farm fresh to you versus imperfect produce. And it's just like helping people make decisions and collecting affiliate commissions when they do.
1: And then the last one is cheapest articles. Now, this is for our bargain hunters. Okay. What I love about these kind of articles is you're reaching to people that have already decided I want to buy this thing. But is there a way for me to save some money? So some of the terms that I really like to look at is like cheapest or discount or sales coupon or coupon. So for example, like cheapest meal delivery service gets 1600 searches per month. And believe me, this person, whoever types that into Google has already decided they want a meal delivery service. They just need the help on figuring out the one that will save them the most money. So writing articles like that and trying to help or find ways to save your reader money is a great way to not only serve your reader, but also get that last click. So you get the affiliate income at the end.
0: That's an interesting one, because then the alternative to that would be like meal delivery coupon code or HelloFresh coupon code. But then you're competing with some probably more authoritative domains like RetailMeNot and, and some of these coupon sites by targeting cheapest instead of coupon gives you a chance to compare several different services and put your two cents in and say, okay, here's, here's the best deal that we found. Absolutely. Well, very cool. Affiliate revenue. This is probably where I would recommend starting with your monetization efforts, just because it's, you don't have to create a product. It's as easy as adding some links and then using some of the strategies that they've talked about to pick up a little extra traffic on that front. Monetization strategy number seven that we have, and this is, we're about at the halfway point here, is generating advertising revenue. This is, I think, probably the one that comes to mind when people say, I'm going to start a website. I'm going to make money on ads. It's going to be fantastic. There's a little more to it than that.
1: Yeah, just a bit. Like I said earlier, when I first started doing niche websites, I was building these websites. I was getting in traffic, people were reading them. And then I thought, sweet, I'm going to throw some Google AdSense on there and booyah, (laughs) I'm going to make it. And no, no, it didn't happen. Back then it was about five, to 6,000 visitors per month on my first niche website. And by putting ads on there, I was making about maybe 50 to somewhere between 20 to $50 a month. Now, that's not a lot of money, especially considering that I built an entire niche website and that I was writing constantly. That wasn't going to ever tip the scale to help me. And so I then started looking at, well, what if I increase the traffic? Needless to say, it was a niche website, so I was pretty limited. And that's what actually drove me into taking all the information on that website and creating my first book, which brought in, still to this day, brings in $1,000 a month. So I'm not as much of a fan on Google AdSense. However, though, there are other ad networks out there. Some of them can include like Mediavine, AdThrive, ValueClick, Burst Media. And basically what these guys do is they, if you have enough traffic on your website, they'll kind of make a deal and they kind of choose better advertisement, and they kind of work it on on your website. And that'll actually increase the amount of ad revenue that you're getting from them. But again, these usually have like a requirement, like you must be making like over a 100,000 visitors per month or something
0: of that magnitude.
1: But if you're getting there, that's one thing that you should definitely check out, especially if you're using Google Ads, and you want to kick it up a notch.
0: Right. AdSense is affectionately known as Webmaster Welfare, and, and maybe these other networks will be able to get you a better revenue per thousand visitors.
1: But one thing I will add to this too, though, is is that if you do have an existing website that has lots of traffic, but there's no way to monetize from that, say 95% of your articles just won't bring any income, you could set up to put ads on those 95% of your articles so that you're at least getting something from it. That could be a major game changer, especially if you do have traffic coming in on those articles. So just keep
0: that in mind. Okay, that is an interesting idea where it's like, okay, some of this high traffic stuff doesn't have any affiliate play or, you know, maybe it's not a great fit to try and capture email addresses on. But for whatever reason, Google loves it or for whatever reason, Pinterest loves it. It gets a lot of traffic. You maybe could throw some ads up just on that page to at least collect a little bit bit of revenue.
1: And I'll give you one example before we move on to the next one. A mutual friend of ours, who I don't know if I have permission to say his name on this, he had a one particular article on his website about color. Okay, It was like a general question that got lots of traffic. But that was it. It was kind of a simple answer and people would move on. And he's just kind of sitting there like, what? What do I do with this? You know, there's, there's like 30 plus thousand people come into this thing every month and it does nothing for me. And instead of just getting rid of that article... He just decided to set up ads on it. And just from doing that, he was making $500 a month from the one article. So if you have that one crazy article that's bringing a lot of traffic, but you don't know anything to do with it, give this one a thought and uh, see what happens.
0: That's really interesting. <laughs> I'm thinking of like, well, shoot, I've got a couple that are underperforming by the traditional metrics that I'll look at, like email signups or affiliate clicks. But hey, maybe there's Maybe there's something there on the ad front. One last thing here, too, is if you don't want to go through some of these networks, obviously set it and forget it in a lot of ways, but you have less control over what ads are going to show up on your site. You can also sell ads directly yourself. You could sell banner placements, you could sell text link ads in the sidebar, whatever it is. As long as you're disclosing that as advertising and you're no following those links, you could be okay. Because theoretically, AdSense and these other networks, you know they're taking a cut. I don't know what that cut is, but it's something. And so theoretically, if you have advertisers that you know are going to be a good fit or if you have people reaching out how can I sponsor you or you know we're interested in a sponsored post something like that maybe you could sell them an ad spot directly if you travel a lot for work or for a vacation you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege but hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away with ads at all, monetization strategy number eight might be of interest to you. And this is something I've played around a little bit with. I'll call it invisible ad income. And this is essentially hosting other companies retargeting scripts or remarketing scripts so that they can build on Facebook or Google a custom audience of people who've been to your website.
1: Yeah, be very careful with this one. Uh, This is definitely one of those, especially with Some of the new laws that are coming out that you have to really disclose that, especially in user agreement or privacy policy. But this can absolutely be a way to generate ad income without having to clutter up your content. One thing I'll tell you about the previous one and this one is that on KindlePrinter.com, my authority website, that's a direct relation to me. I don't put any ads on it just because the content there is hardcore. You know, I've, I've got other products. I don't want to diminish. Sort of the return on my other products, so I won't put it there. But on my niche websites or so, you bet I'll throw them up there. That's that's not a problem. There's just a, a way to make some money from the, from the content that we have and the the value that we're providing there. So keep that in mind. But invisible ad income is one of those where maybe you're on that fence and you're thinking to yourself, oh man, you know I don't want to clutter up with the giant ads or pictures or things like that. Maybe this is one. So just keep that in mind, but be very careful.
0: You're worried about like cannibalizing software sales or cannibalizing affiliate clicks if you had display ads on your site. Plus, it just there's the aesthetics side of it too. Exactly. Yeah, I like this method, this invisible ad income method for a lot of reasons. Number one, you can stack up several different advertisers, and it's still all the same user experience for the for the, somebody who's visiting your site. So I think that's pretty cool. I came across a service, actually met with these guys at FinCon called Repixel which is kind of becoming a marketplace for kind of brokering these deals. So a repixel might be worth checking out on this retargeting script front. And of course, it depends on how much traffic you get, like like a lot of these. But monetization strategy number nine that we have are sponsored posts, sponsored promotions. Like you hear us doing ad reads during the show, so that's how to monetize a podcast. And it's been a while since I've done any sponsored blog posts on the website, but this is absolutely a viable method once you've got some traffic
1: yeah in kindlepreneur i get I get at least one, two, three a day of requests for sponsor posts and promotions. Sometimes you're gonna get them from just agencies trying to check to see if they can even work with you or not. however, though, sometimes you'll have a legitimate company in your area, your, your niche or whatever, that really thinks it would be a good thing. Grammarly reached out to me specifically and said, hey, you know, you're working in book marketing. We think that we're a great tool for authors. And so we kind of hum and hawed about it. And in the end, I actually decided to not do a sponsored post, but instead do a review like we talked about previously and use an affiliate link because I figured that that would be a better monetization for me. So sponsored slash promotions slash affiliate, that could be your way to kind of figure out if you just want to Say, sure, you do the work, I'll post it, or let me control the content and kind of get something out of it. But as these guys reach out to you, just make sure you understand what you're comfortable with and that you set that tone and that you get what you need in order to feel good about that sponsored post.
0: Yeah. The ones that I ran, a couple that come to mind, I mean, pretty big companies ran some for, or ran a sponsored post for UPS, ran a sponsored post for Fiverr. And that was the deal. It was like, okay, I'm going to write the content, make sure it's still in my voice. And it's just, Hey, you know, here's your sponsored disclosure and link up up at the top. So those definitely turned out to be win-wins. And we should note too, that like big publications do this all the time. You'll see this like on the New York times, you'll see this in kind of big media companies still taking sponsored content, native advertising. And it's a really interesting industry.
1: Absolutely. It can be a huge increase in your revenue.
0: do you do anything it sounds like you're know, kind of mostly reactive as these requests come in. But do you do anything proactive to pitch companies on this? Or how would you go about that?
1: No, I actually haven't. I think, though, that that might be one of the things. I've talked to a lot of people who are doing podcasts, you know, and, and sometimes the companies don't know about you or they don't know what, how large your following is and that sort of thing. So just reaching out and letting them know, hey, I have this many listeners or hey, I have this many readers, that may really catch their attention and put you on the horizon and on something that they're thinking about. So uh, if you are looking to do that, I definitely recommend reaching out and letting them know about what you have. I think you would definitely increase the number of offers and probably
0: better offers as well. Yeah, if nothing else, you start a relationship there. Exactly. All right, number 10 we have is create a directory. Tell me about this one.
1: Oh, this is a little bit old school, but back in the day, directories were like the rave. You know, there were a lot. I mean, we're talking back in the day. However, though, there were a lot of great uses of this where websites are basically saying like, hey, I specialize on this subject. And if you want to be listed as a potential, then let's go ahead and create a directory. I charge this much. On Kindlepreneur, we actually did this, but we did it in a free way, where I wrote an article on how to hire a book editor. And then inside the article, I created a directory of some of the best book editors I know. And from that, it was really cool because we actually used it where the editors like promoted it on social media. They also linked to the article and everything like that. And as of this recording, I ranked number one in Google for the word book editors. So you could use it from an SEO strategy, or in this case, some people charge to have their name on it. I'm not going to charge, but let me tell you, if all of a sudden I put out there that, hey, we charge like $50 a month to be on this list, I would be really surprised if we weren't pulling in at least a thousand to two thousand dollars a month just from that.
0: Yeah, because you know those editors are getting leads from that article. Oh, constantly. I'm hearing all
1: the time from editors how much how much traffic, how many people they've signed just because of that one listing. So yeah, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I haven't, I haven't monetized that, but directories can be a great opportunity and that is a prime example of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've seen people, I just, you know, we'll be interviewing this woman later this month. She has a local Facebook group, local website, and she has kind of a premium business listing directory there as well. So it's like, yeah, it maybe a little bit old school, but it can still work. I mean, we heard from Brett Lindenberg who runs foodtruckempire.com. He had built out a directory of food truck related vendors and suppliers. And one way to monetize His site was featured listings in this directory. And so maybe that's a happy medium for the editor article. It's like, yeah, we're going to make the regular listings free. But if you want premium positioning on that, we'll charge you a flat fee per month or something. All right. Ready for number 11? You got it. All right. Number 11 is a job board.
1: Yeah, this is one of those where a lot of people don't think about it, but you might want to. Here's the thing. So Darren Rose, pro blogger has a job board, okay? And you have to understand that people who are reading ProBlogger are probably bloggers. And oh, by the way, there's courses on how to become a professional writer, online writer and blogger. And so they created this job board where people can look to see who's available as a writer. But as a company, you pay this job board in order to post your job. And we at Kindlepreneur, we actually use this one a lot. Anytime I need a writer, I need somebody to uh, kind of in the blogging world, a content manager, a content editor, that sort of thing, I will pay Pro Blogger a premium so as to post my job posting there. And I know that everybody reading that is a legit blogger. It really helps me out. So that's one thing. But here's another thing too, though. If you have a course and you're training people to be able to do something then think about potentially offering a job board for them. There's a particular lady, and I cannot remember her name right now. Oh, I think it's Caitlin Pyle. She has a course on how to become a editor. She has a course on different forms of editing from like copy editing and so forth. But at the end, she has all these people who are trained. And if she can help them to get jobs, that'll be huge for her courses. And so there she has job boards that really help out. So if you're training people, certifying people, getting people somewhere, being able to offer a job board might not only entice more people to sign up for your course because you're helping them get paid clients right afterwards, but it can also be another area where you can have people pay you in order to post their jobs there as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this is Abby Ashley in the virtual assistant space, Kayla Sloan in the virtual assistant space, Gina Horky in the virtual assistant space. Absolutely. If I can help you get a job, all of a sudden you're going to go sing the praises of this course even better.
1: Yep. Well, one of the big things that colleges even promote these days is how many of their students go on to get jobs afterwards. I mean, that's their big sales point now. So we online marketers, maybe we should think about that too.
0: Yeah. Now I'm thinking maybe there's the side hustle jobs board. You want to hire somebody. Hey, you know, they're motivated. You know, they've got kind of an entrepreneurial mindset. They're listening to this stuff. Maybe there's a, maybe there's an opportunity there somewhere. Number 12 we have is sell PDF copies of your articles. This is different from the ebook thing.
1: Yes. So I used to think that this is bogus, right? I, I used to believe that, no way. It's right there on the internet. Why would somebody do this? But then again, one of my favorite blogs, Wait But Why, offers readers the opportunity to buy PDF copies of their articles. This makes sense because of a couple things. Number one, a Wait But Why article is long. Like, I mean, we're talking it takes... I don't know if maybe that ha- I'm just going to guess, but the average is like 10,000 words and it's not in just one sitting. So p- some people just want to bring it with some people feel like it's an ebook. And so they've really monetized this ability just to say, hey, look, just purchase it and you can have the PDF version of it. But also in Kindlepreneur, I think I get at least one request every two weeks or so. If somebody just says like, is there a way that I could just like have a PDF version of this is so that I can take notes and highlight. I'm like, huh. That's a good point. Like, I don't really have a way for you to do that. And I get why you would want to, because you probably do want to highlight and make annotations and things like that. And that's when something like this really comes into play and can be a great monetization.
0: Yeah, I mean, over the course of the years, you've published all this authoritative content on book marketing. Is there a reason you haven't compiled that into a PDF or a book of its own yet?
1: No, you know, we created this one. And again, you talked about my nav bar. The first one is a start here. And that's basically my book marketing 101. It's just a giant table of contents of all of my top articles in order of what an author would take from beginning to successfully published. I could probably maybe get somebody to to kind of condense that. And in essence, put that into one PDF, which is basically an ebook. But again, it's one of those where we could perhaps go through the content, make it easier for our people to use it. Right now, I'm thinking about just making it easy, some easy button to click print, and there will be a print version of it. But for a lot of people, like, wait, but why? They can really turn that into a, a good income.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or you know, maybe they use that as an opt-in. And say, hey, we can, I mean, that would be a killer, <laughs> killer opt-in. It's like, here's all the archives that you need to know, but different ways to get it done. I'll have to check out this Wait But Why Wise. Lots of people have referred it to me. I know I've read some of their content, but I have not dove in too deep, if dove in is a word. <laughs> no idea. In any case, number 13 is accept donations. And this is big in the podcast world and YouTube world through a platform called Patreon, but lots of different ways to get this done.
1: Yeah, Patreon is definitely the best. But here's the thing. When this first started, I was thinking like, no way. There's no way people are just going to be like, oh, let me just donate some money to you. And then one day I was talking with my wife and I was like, hey, what's this charge? She's like, oh, I'm donating money to my favorite blogger. I'm like, oh, okay. And it's because this person has done amazing work. She didn't have a course. She didn't have all these other things. And my my wife just felt obligated. She felt like she owed this person something for all the great things they provided And so when this, and again, I don't know if I have permission to say the name, but when this blogger had posted in her sidebar as well as at the bottom of the emails, wrote a great note basically saying, help me to continue to create this content, she took a whole new level. And my wife was like, done, click, here you go. She set it up for a monthly payment. So every month this blogger gets paid straight up and my wife is happy. She feels like she's helping this person to get the good information out in the world. So, that's one thing. Another thing I would say too is just like I was talking about this blogger, be creative with the way you put it. Don't just say, "Hey, give me a donation" or "Hey, you know, I need some money." Like that's that's totally tactless. But there are some out there that have some incredible ways of doing it. There are some that they'd say, you know, basically like help keep the lights on. Another one, my favorite to use is, hey, put a little money in the coffee pot so I can keep riding. That's a really cool thing. But you'd be surprised how many people just see so much value in what you've done and they just feel obligated to do something. And using something like Patreon could be a great way to give them that outlet.
0: Yeah, Matt Boknock, who we talked about earlier, has got the uh, Buy Matt a Beer page on his uh, motorcycle repair website, which I love. It's like similar to the coffee pot example. I've had people kind of out of the blue, like PayPal me stuff and they'll send me a note and which is like incredible. Like, thank you to anyone who who's done that. They're like, Oh, you know, go out to lunch with your wife or something. It's just like completely unexpected out of the blue. The thing is I would say this monetization strategy probably works best if you've tried this other stuff and it's just for whatever reason, maybe it's the niche, maybe it's the audience. Like it just isn't a fit or because it would be weird in like, a business setting. Like if you're blogging about how to start a business and then you're like asking for donations, like there's a disconnect, right? Like, dude, how good at business are you if you are requesting money from it? Like, that's weird. But like uh, Jen Briney is a podcast example, hosts the Congressional Dish podcast, kind of like a nonpartisan podcast just on what's going on in Congress. Like as a concerned taxpayer, like how are you spending my money kind of a thing. And to keep the show ad free, she gives this pitch on how it's listener supported and brings in a pretty I mean she's able to do it full time so a pretty significant living doing just from uh, from sponsors now all right we're on the home stretch the final two monetization strategies number 14 is to offer paid memberships
1: yeah paid memberships can be great but one thing i'm going to say is is that if you decide to make a paid membership you got to have content that people are just absolutely loving, like they want more, and it is absolutely worth it to them to constantly get it. Just because your site has a little bit of success does not mean that necessarily translates to people wanting to pay monthly or even annually just to get information. Another thing that might hold you back from paid membership, too, is that some people, especially people who've been reading your blog, may take offense to the fact that you're quote-unquote Hiding information from them or making them pay for the good stuff, but those who do this effectively, they have basically this reoccurring revenue model that's bringing in constant income every month, and they can grow their subscriber base and they can see some very nice returns from it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of eye popping some of the numbers that you see from some of these high profile or popular membership sites, like we talked to Carol Tice on on the podcast last fall, and she had fifteen hundred members for the freelance writer's den at 25 bucks a piece. It was like, okay, this is a substantial business just for her. And that was kind of like the tip of the iceberg. She had other paid classes that she would offer inside of that. And in her case, she found people, and this is kind of the, from what I hear from a lot of membership site owners, is like people come for the content initially, and then they stick around for the community aspect, the forum or like access to other members.
1: Yeah. I was going to say having some support mechanism, having a place for people to congregate and communicate. I've seen that be one of the most crucial parts to having kind of this sort of paid membership. I, it's, it's sort of like they're enticed by the fact that there's something they could be missing, but then they just don't want to leave because they've friendships or they have the support or they have people telling them they can do it or those sorts of things So make sure that if you do create this, that you have mechanisms or you have people or you have the time in your calendar to be there for them and provide that quote unquote community that they're looking for.
0: Yeah. I see people doing this in the fitness space where it's like, okay, it's a 90 day type of challenge where it's like a fixed thing. I see people doing this like in the high end mastermind space where it's like, oh, it's $25,000 for a year, but it's like this fixed kind of finite relationship. Or it's just this ongoing thing that's like, hey, you know, I'm going to continue to support this community with new exclusive content, plus the forum component too. And it's like, you can see this running for quite a while, provided you have the energy and, and interest in keeping it up, which is why like, I've never done a membership for that reason. It's like, well, I don't know. like, I don't want to commit myself to producing this extra exclusive type of content. So I don't know, not something that I've done an interesting kind of hybrid approach Is to tack on a membership as an upsell to a digital product that you create. Like, hey, you can buy my course for five hundred bucks, and then for twenty five bucks a month, you'll have access to the weekly Facebook live sessions or something like that. I've seen people do it that way as well.
1: Yeah, the Authority Hacker guys do this incredible. They have this great course out there, but it's like $2,000 or something like that. And the tack on is that you can join the Facebook group that's just for course buyers. And this allows you to ask questions, and they're there to answer them. So you can control that. You could put it there. Another thing that people have added or created is they have a special Slack group just for memberships or just for people who've signed up for this big ticket item. But creating that community can be a great way to keep them engaged and keep them paying month after month as time goes by.
0: Yeah, very cool. That recurring revenue, that's the holy grail, right? Well, number 15 we have to round out this list is to repurpose your articles. Tell me what you had in mind with this one.
1: Yeah, so on Kindlepreneur, we have these really extensive articles and sometimes people either learn better by by watching or by listening. So if you have this content, think about where else you can put it. So one of the things I started doing was, was that I would take this content and I would just create a YouTube video version of it, basically. It wasn't word for word. I wasn't reading from a script, but instead I would go with the layout of that article. And so I created these videos, I don't know, maybe one a month on average. I haven't been like hardcore on it, but we have about... 27,000 YouTube subscribers.
0: So I haven't made like a 100,000 or million. <laughs> to, to anyone who's under that number, it sounds like a lot. And to YouTube celebrities, they're like, ah, 27,000.
1: Here's the thing though, is I'm not going to lie. I, I totally forgot to like turn on the paid advertisement. So all those videos were going on. And just this past month, my my daughter who actually does all my video editing, she's like, hey, maybe we should turn on your ads. I was like, Okay. So we chose which videos would have ads, which is really cool. So for example, if it's a publisher rocket video, no ads. <laughs> I do not want my competitors advertising before somebody gets to my video, right? If it was an affiliate video, no ads. But then on all the other videos I turn on ads and we're looking at about $500 just like that. And because I took content on my blog, turned it into a video, posted on YouTube, and YouTube's ad system will be able to generate that and I I can tell you that's probably going to be every month. So another income stream just coming in right from the content on my website.
0: Free money, found money. Well, of course, you had to do the work to create the content in the first place and create the work to make a compelling video out of it. But then it's it's out there. It's another channel for discovery and it's a revenue stream all on its own.
1: Yeah, and if you're out there saying to yourself, well, maybe I'm not good on camera or I don't want to have to buy all this camera equipment, there are things out there like Lumen5 and some other software that will help you to build kind of like slideshow or videos or to help you kind of create a really good-looking video out there. But it does not need to be this professional video. If anybody is scared or worried, if you go to my YouTube, go to my first ever video. You can just click on the YouTube, go to videos, and order it from newest to oldest or oldest to newest. Find that first one ever. And I mean, it's embarrassing. I keep it up there as, as, as just a story for people to say, that dude was that crazy to make that horrible video and then post it? I mean, I, I've got lightings wrong. I tried to be funny and I'm not. <laughs> it's a prime example of, hey, get over that hump. Turn your content. There are ways you can do it. And it can be another way of bringing another side income.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is something that's kind of on the to-do list or on the horizon here uh, for me as one of the projects in the last couple of years was building out a blog library, just kind of an itemized list. Here's our content. Here's the word count. The data was last updated. The search volume for this primary keyword, you know, what kind of traffic it gets today. And at the end, it's like, is this a good fit for potentially repurposing into a podcast? Is this a good fit for potentially repurposing into a video? And so kind of on my list of homework, which keeps growing, of course, but is to turn some of those video worthy posts to create some video content to supplement, complement the material written on the site, and then also to put it up on YouTube as a potential revenue stream, of course, but also as another hopefully, inroad into the Side Hustle Nation world.
1: Yeah. And so, as you guys can see from all these different things that we talked about, the 15 different ways to monetize your website, the key is is that as you start to grow, as you start to build your website, write content, it's going to get easier and easier to find so many different ways to monetize. When we were just talking about Kindlepreneur itself, there were multiple ones here. I was like, yeah, I, I guess we could do that. It was just last month that I turned on YouTube ads. It was just a while ago that we started doing that That list of editors. And I haven't even put up the donations. There's just so many different ways. And so just like Nick had said, too, is was, was that his list gets larger. But as you go through and as you grow your content, you grow your your placement, you grow your traffic, you're going to find that each one of these things that we've talked about will become that much easier just to implement and to create more and more income streams.
0: Well, very true And this stuff. This is where it gets fun. I love kind of diving into all this stuff. Dave, great to catch up with you. We should do this more often. Kindlepreneur.com, PublisherRocket.com. Check them out. Excellent examples of what you can do with an authority website. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.